morning, Trinity, and praise the Lord. So I, I struggled all week with the message. I wasn't sure it was the right message. And I kept asking God, is this the message? You know, and then last night before I went to bed, I, I, I struggled again. I said, is this even the message? And I got up this morning and the first thing came on my mind was, I don't think this is the message. And then I did my devotional and John can attest to this, you know. The devotional actually spoke about what we're going to be talking about today. And so I said, well, praise the Lord. Thank you for the message. So this is the word for this morning. I don't want you to be afraid of the message. I want you to open up your hearts and receive the message. And that is what I'm going to pray into before we begin. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are such a merciful God. And we, your people, Lord, come before you this morning in all humility, with total dependence upon you, to hear a word from you. So God, we ask that you speak as only you can, and that you prepare our hearts and our minds as only you can. And that you transform our lives as only you can. And we will be sure to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Because you deserve it. Lord, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to read from three passages of scripture today that I believe will lay the foundation to what God wants to speak to us today. I believe that there is power in, in God's word. And I believe that the word of God is a weapon that we can use and this weapon works. So our first Bible passage comes from the Old Testament and we are in the book of Psalms chapter 51. Psalms 51. This is the Psalm of King David. All right, the word of God reads as such. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sins. For I recognize my shameful deeds that haunt me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from my heart, so you can teach me to be wise in my inmost being. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation 
and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to sinners, and they will return to you. Now, if you can flip over to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, and we'll read to verses 69 to 75. Meanwhile, as Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, a servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those which Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you are talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus the Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I do not even know the man, he said. A little later, sometime, other bystanders came over to him and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter said, I swear by God, can you imagine? I swear by God, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he, wept, he went away crying bitterly. And now Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. There is therefore now no condemnation. So this morning, I want us to speak on the topic, experiencing God, forgiving ourselves by accepting God's forgiveness. Last week, we, we spent some time speaking about how to forgive others. And we mentioned how challenging it is for us to forgive those who have offended us. But if we are to walk in the beauty of who God has called us to be, then it is necessary that we learn how to forgive one another. We suggested four requirements that would help to move us towards forgiveness. And we looked at the anatomy of Joseph's ability to forgive his siblings after the grievous wrong. We agreed that it is hard to forgive some people, the repeat offenders, the malicious ones, the cruel and the evil ones. And I found that we spend so much time asking of each other to forgive other people, to accept God's forgiveness. And I have realized that one of the hardest things for any one of us to do is to forgive ourselves. Like nobody really asks the question, have you forgiven yourself of your the reality is that we, we struggle to learn how to release ourselves from the debt of an offense that we have committed. We wrestle with guilt and we wrestle with shame. 
And in the end, we find that we indict ourselves of our sins. And so I want to present to you today two brothers and one sister who themselves struggled with the guilt of their sins. First up, we have Peter. Peter, the, the disciple of Jesus. Peter, who was one of the twelve. Peter, who walked on water. Peter, who was close to Jesus. He was one of the three. Peter, who was that powerful preacher at Pentecost. Peter, who was the original leader of the church. And yet, as he stood between that time, before he would become who God had called him to be, he made a grievous mistake of denying Jesus, cursing in the process, and making an oath that he did not know who Christ was. And we find him in scripture weeping bitterly because he's struggling to live with his mistake. And then we have King David. David is my boy. David is one of those characters whom I love dearly. He was that shepherd boy who was favored by God. David, God said, was a man after my own heart. David was the most powerful and renowned king of Israel. He was a giant slayer. He was a worshiper. He was the psalmist. He penned the word, the Lord is my shepherd. And we found David in scripture committing adultery. And with one of the greatest cover-ups ever known, he had Bathsheba, Uriah. He had him killed. And so blinded was he by his sin that God had to send a prophet to awaken David's eyes to a sin that he had committed. And in our Psalms today, Psalm 51, we find him pouring out his heart to God, struggling with the sin that he had committed. And then there is that sister Serena. You, you might have heard of her. She is one of that, those interim pastors at Trinity. You know, that young lady who loved the Lord, she loved God's word. She loved preaching and teaching God's word. And we we find her at one point in her life wrestling with the sin that she had committed, struggling with guilt and shame so much that one time she almost gave up on God's call on her life. What is your sin story? The commonality we share as children of God is that every single one of us know what it is to make a major mistake and sin against God. We have all fallen short. Every single one of us has dropped the ball. All of us carry a sinful stain on our resume. And I'm not just talking about the sins that other people know about. Mm -mm. I'm talking about those sins that only you and God know about. The secret sins. The deep sins. The ones that seem to haunt us wherever we go. And we live in remorse. We live with regret. We live feeling ashamed over a stupid decision that we once made. 
And I am testimony this morning that your conscience can wear you out. And there are times when you can be in the midst of worship and your sin can just flash across your eyes. In wrestling before God, King David said this. He said, my iniquity is ever before me, which means that there are some things that can be in our past that can lead forward into our today and into our tomorrow. What would you do if your entire sinful life flashed before the screen? I would hightail out of here. You may never ever see me again. Perhaps it is a sin that you are afraid of would go public. And maybe it's a sin that you know that if it ever was revealed that it would hurt someone who you love dearly. And maybe it is a sin that can block an opportunity that you have been waiting for. And perhaps it is a struggle or a temptation that, that you have come to the altar before to God and you have said, God, if you get me out of this, I will never ever, 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 ever do that again, only to find yourself repeating that very mistake. But when you find yourself in such a place, struggling to forgive yourself, and the weight and the guilt and the condemnation of sin refuses to let you go, if you get nothing else from the message this morning, I want you to get this, that the burden of guilt and shame is never, never, ever, ever the hand of God. That guilt that holds us back, that shame that incarcerates us, that humiliation that seems to paralyze us from moving into who God has called us to be. I want to bless you and I want to bless myself with the assurance of scripture that the weight and burden of sin is never the will of our merciful God. And if it is not God, that means that it is the way the enemy works to make us feel condemned, to make us feel useless, to make us feel worthless, to make us feel that God has had enough of us, that we are not good enough. That is how the enemy works by condemning us to keep us in bondage. Let me prove it. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34, Jesus is speaking to Peter. Peter is making his acclamation that he will always be with Jesus, that he is Jesus' ride or die. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. That is what Satan is about. He will sift you and I as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Peter, Jesus said. I have prayed that your faith will not fail. And then he goes on to say a very interesting statement. He says, when you turn back, suggesting that Peter will turn away from God, suggesting that you and I will turn away from God and do the wrong thing. But he says, when you turn back, he means that 
we will win, we will succeed. And when you come to a place where you have turned back and your trust and your faith is anchored in God, he says, strengthen your brothers. He means use your testimony, use those stories where you fell short and share them and strengthen each other. Peter denied Jesus even using curse words. It is hard to imagine. But if we look at our own lives, we can agree that it is not that hard to imagine. When Jesus goes on to give him the encouragement that he needs by letting him know, I have already prayed for you. This is what it means to share our testimonies, to give encouragement to each other, to, to show others that our mistakes are never a surprise to God. God knew we would mess up. God knows we're going to drop the ball. God knows that we are not perfect. God knows that we will not do the right thing. But we have been prayed for. God has already provided a way out. He has already provided our restoration and our reconciliation through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he has cast our sins into a sea of forgetfulness. And if you like to go fishing, do not go fishing for your sins. So when we have sinned, it, it follows then that there are two roads that we can take. One road is paved by Satan, and it is filled with guilt. It is filled with shame. It is filled with condemnation, and the other road is paved by God. It is paved with conviction. It is paved with a grace that leads to repentance. And it is paved with restoration and reconciliation. Condemnation is not a road that God has paved for any one of us. And that is why the Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. It is a verse that we ought to learn. And that is a hallelujah, glory be to God, praise right there. Because there are many people who need to hear that word. Condemnation brings depression. Condemnation brings headaches. Condemnation brings sickness. Condemnation brings death. And sometimes we are so bound with other illness. And it is because we are not free because we have not forgiven ourselves. Every time we try to do good, the enemy comes reminding us of our past. Every time we try to be productive, here comes Satan with a memory. Every time we try to walk in God's purpose for our lives, here comes those people who don't like us, trying to block us in our path. There was once a friend of mine. He was an elder in the church. And he made a mistake once when he fell into debt to take money from the church. As much as everybody tried to tell him that there was forgiveness and restoration, he could not receive that word. 
the one night he went home and he drank a poisonous substance and killed himself. You ask yourself, did he not know the message that there is restoration, there is hope, but so bound Satan had him in guilt and shame that he figured he could not live facing anyone again. The Bible says that nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And when scripture says nothing, that is what he means. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. A.W. Tozer, he says this. He says that guilt is a prison with no bars. And if guilt is a prison with no bars, why do we choose to stay locked up? Never allow yourself to, to be shameful, to walk with your head bow down. Never allow Satan to condemn you when you are already free. There is another road to live after we have sinned. Looking at the lives of David, looking at the lives of Peter, looking at your own life, they, they teaches us two realities about the life we should live after our sinful mistakes. And these are my only two points for the day. Here is the first reality. We can be fully, fully underlined and in bold. We can be fully forgiven by our Heavenly Father. In Psalms chapter 51, verse 3, David says, Lord, I acknowledge my transgression. Lord, I know I have done wrong. Lord, I know that I have failed you. Lord, I know that I have disappointed you. Lord, I know that what I did was not pleasing to you. And in verse 4, he goes on to say, against you and you alone have I sinned. And I thought it was weird because he sinned against Bathsheba. And he certainly sinned against Uriah. And yet he says in scripture that against you and you alone have I sinned. And the truth is that while our sin can affect and it can hurt others, sin is always against God. If you ever look at the definition of sin, it is always against God. God is always involved. God is always offended. God is always the one we wrong when we sin. And so God, as the one who is offended, has to release us, the offenders, from the offense. And that is what we need to get, that we need to know, we need to believe, and we need to receive this release from God through forgiveness. Even if two adults, or even if you were to do wrong all by yourself and no one gets hurt, you have wronged God. God has been offended. 
David goes on to say, he said, blot out my transgressions. Cleanse me of my iniquity. Wash me of my sins. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. He is pleading with God to do that which he cannot do for himself. We need God to do the work in us that we cannot do for ourselves. Way back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they found themselves to be naked. And when God met them and he asked them, why are you hiding? And they said, we were naked and so we hid because we were afraid. Walking in fear and shame. And what God did for them then is the same thing he'd do for us now in that he covered them. And God forgives. God covers. God restores. And no matter what we have done, we can be forgiven. We have been forgiven. And now this is what you may say. I know I have said this. Or you may encounter someone who will say this to you. You do not know everything that I have done. You don't know how low I have fallen. You don't know how many times I have told God I won't do it again, only to find myself repeating that same mistake over and over again. You don't know how hard it is to believe that I can be forgiven. You, you don't know that, that I don't deserve to be forgiven. You don't know that I am struggling with what I have done. You don't know how ashamed I am of what I have done. But that is true. I don't know what you have done. And you do not know what I have done. But this I know. That one Friday on a hill called Calvary, Jesus sacrificed his life and paid the debt for you and for me. And we are restored. We are forgiven. And everything that we have done and everything that we will do has been paid for by his death. And he died so that we can be forgiven. He died so that we can be restored. And that is what I know. When the Apostle Paul grabbed hold of that theology, he, he got his pen and he wrote in scripture, wherever sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. Whatever our sin is, God has grace for it. That we cannot out-sin God's grace. Guilt is a feeling, for sure. But forgiveness is a fact. And we have enough scripture to back that up. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, God is faithful. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. Romans 5.18 says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
And John 8, 36 says, Whom the Son set free is free indeed. Do you know that we have authority to use Scripture to loose ourselves from all guilt and shame? Scripture allows us to experience God's forgiveness and to claim God's forgiveness. You know, I, I love worship music. I really do. But I have to tell you that, that I love me some hymns. I don't know how the worship, how, how the, the authors get to pen those lyrics. But there are times when I hear those hymns, I actually feel what they felt when they wrote those lyrics. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Do you feel that? There is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's vein. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty shame. My sin... Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sins, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Can you feel that forgiveness that comes from God? Who is Satan? That he thinks he had any authority to stand up before us and accuse us of being guilty when Christ stands before us and declare not guilty. And even if he was to say, remember when she did that, not guilty. Remember when he did that, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. We are not guilty. And all we have to do is accept and receive the full forgiveness that is being offered by our Heavenly Father. And here is the second reality. Our failures are not fatal and they are not final. This is important because the devil will have us believe that God is finished with us. That God's and our life has been cancelled. It, it makes no sense for me to be standing here. It makes no sense for me to be preaching God's word. To this day, I, I know for a fact that God should have taken me out a long time ago. And my friends would laugh and they would tell her, what did she say she is? And when you say she said she's a pastor, they would laugh. It makes no sense, but God is merciful. On the other side of the resurrection, Peter is gathered with his disciples in the upper room. Jesus has sent for him. He said, and Peter. Scripture does not say to us that, that Peter has confessed to them what he did. He just shows up in the upper room. Just like you and I, we, we show up to church with our Bible, and no one knows 
what we have done. The Bible tells us that Jesus then showed up. I don't know what Peter must have felt or thought. Shame, guilt, fear, disappointment. Would Jesus kick him out of being a disciple? Would Jesus call him out in front of the others? Would Jesus tell everyone what he did? Would Jesus point a finger at Peter and say, you did that to me? Would Jesus call us out? Would Jesus ever shame us for our sins? Jesus goes on to allow Peter to experience his love, his mercy, his forgiveness. Peter showed up when he was called. Do we show up or do we turn away from God? Do we not come to church because we are ashamed of our sin? Do we not know that there is a place where we can come and be restored? I had to learn this. The other time I, I skipped church. And I skipped church because I knew it was communion day. And I had sinned in the week before. And because I know that church usually has communion every second Sunday of the month, I said, oh, maybe if I go and I take communion, I would choke on the thing and die. It's not nice to laugh at your pastor. <laughs> and so I hid. I stayed home from church. There was no way. Because guilt and shame held me in bondage. I refused to come to church. In the middle of the week, there was Bible study and prayer meeting, and I was doing exaltations. And I remember at, at that church, they had these fluorescent bulbs overhead. And every time I stood there, it would always be so hot. And I said, man, this must be almost how hell feels like. Maybe I should not go to Bible study because I might get struck down on the altar. And when I confessed this in Bible school, my professor said to me, Did you all have, had you already repented? And I said, yes, more than once. And he said, you were forgiven. You should have taken communion. It was the perfect opportunity. Jesus goes on and he commissioned Peter for service. He said, Peter, feed my sheep. He said, feed my lamb. He said, feed my sheep. And the beauty of it is that Peter was never identified by his sin. We are the one who remembers their sins. Nowhere in scripture is Peter called Peter the one who denied Jesus. We say that about him. Peter's denial of Christ never defined him, but it propelled him into who God had called him to be. Never identify yourself with your sins and never allow anyone to identify you with your sins as well. Let us always identify ourselves 
based on who God says we are. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We are the forgiven ones. We are the ones washed in his blood. We are washed clean. We are children of God. That is who we are. That is who we must claim to be. And the other side of our sins, God can still use us. God will still use us. We may be bruised, but we can still be used. May we never wallow in our guilt and shame or sit in condemnation because we have sinned against God. Because while we are struggling with guilt and shame and wrestling to forgive ourselves, God is willing that we experience his forgiveness by freely seeking it, by freely believing it, by freely receiving it, and by freely accepting it. The God we serve gives life. The Holy Spirit gives life, and we must shine with God's grace and allow every part of our being to become alive and walk in the freedom that Christ has given to us. Sometimes I, I look at my life and I ask myself, how did you even get here? How did you come to even be standing here? And I look back at my life and I trace it. I trace it all the way back to when my father died. And I remember saying to God that I will hurt you back the way you have hurt me by taking my dad. And I went about living my life trying to hurt God. And in the midst of that, he came with his mercy and his love and his forgiveness and called me and graced me and forgave me. And even then, it took me a while to accept that I was forgiven. And for a long time, I struggled with guilt and shame. I struggled to see myself as God saw me. It must have broken his heart. It must break God's heart to, to see us walk in shame, to see us walk in guilt, to see us hung our heads down. It must break his heart to see us carry the weight of guilt and shame when he has already provided forgiveness and restoration for us. And so, as we sit here in-house and on Zoom, in the private moment of your minds, allow yourself to be forgiven. Make that exchange. Give to God every single one of your guilt and your shame and receive his forgiveness. Make a choice to accept God's forgiveness today. Live as king's kids. Live as kingdom children. Live as redeemed people.
be strong in God and always remember there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. May God bless each and every one of us as we journey towards that day. Amen.